afternoon and welcome to another episode of TransPerfect LifeSite Talks. I'm Mark Wade, the Global Practice Leader for Life Sciences at TransPerfect. And today I have Aaron McCord. Aaron, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's just recap, if I may. You have a decade of experience within pharmaceutical industry in ECOA and EPRO project management and operations leadership. You're currently the Associate Director of ECOA Implementation at Moderna, but before that, September 20th, you worked at Takeda for Pharmaceuticals as Lead IRT and EPRO Product Operations Specialist. At Takeda, you operated as the Global Subject Matter Expert on ECOA Development, Operations and Technical Support. Prior to Takeda, you had progressive levels of responsibility within ECOA Implementation, Project Management at ERT, where you delivered ECOA software for use in global phase three clinical trials. For many pharmaceutical companies. You have a BA from Drew University and a JD from Pace University School of Law. Well, welcome back. It's great to have you again. Last time we spoke, we were in a pre-COVID environment and the pressure was on and we talked about capturing COAs in that pressure environment. I thought today we could be a bit more macro in our uh, conversation. Again, very free-flowing, so if you don't mind. So one of the things that we, we actually touched on before, and I'd like to develop a bit further, was the, the, the building and the maintaining of ECOA standards and how that pertains within-house in the in pharmaceutical industry. How are we doing that? Yeah, happy to chat about that. So I think, you know, in this, in this idea of, of, of speed and efficiency and, and, and learning from sort of where we've been, one thing that, that we're focused on at Moderna and that I think is really an industry best practice is trying to sort of standardize your ecosystem as much as possible from trial to trial, from indication to indication. And just, I wanna tick through a few areas that I think can be useful for, for sponsors to really be mindful of. First off, if you're using homegrown assessments, meaning you know quality of life assessments, questionnaires, anything where you're collecting data, standardize those as much as possible, right? You have the control, you have the domain, you can standardize them. You can maintain the same questions, the same order, the same workflow. That's really beneficial. Design requirements. Obviously, you're building an entire system, right? Can you standardize the workflow of, of when the, the EQ5D is asked or when your homegrown assessment is asked? Notifications on the device. Can you make those the same from trial to trial? Email alerts, right? If you're, if you're triggering responses to site staff or, or to monitors, have the same email alerts with the same text. That's going to speed up testing. It's going to speed up validation. It's going to speed up, you know, anyone who's on multiple trials, they'll be familiar and comfortable with that. A really, really big one, reports. The reports, how robust is the ability to view the collected data? Do you have compliance reports? And just using that term is very nuanced. Many people in operations and, on, and in ClinOps, they think of compliance, oh, did they do it? And when you get down to the to the sort of granular level, you really have to think about what is compliance. Are they are they answering all the questions? Are they providing responses to all of the assessments in the expected order? How do you track compliance? Whenever you're doing things electronically, there's that sort of nuanced approach of they may have collected it on the device, but it might not have transmitted to the database. So understanding that you know, just because someone may not have data in the database doesn't mean they're not compliant. So we oftentimes look for a, a, a vendor to provide subject level compliance, site level compliance, overall study compliance, in addition to other standard reports or custom reports. We also would love to see you know shipping reports, logistics reports, where are the devices, 
Are they at sites? Are they being used? Has the device transmitted in a while? There's a huge amount in there. So, I mean, I love the idea that, that, that the compliance is this catch-all word, but it's, it's yep. massive inside. So I'm curious, do you see that the reports being captured, the reports being, sorry, the data being captured, the reports being generated as granular as, as you would like it to be? Or, or is, is, that a, is that a wish list? I think most vendors do a pretty good job of basic level compliance reports. I think there are some vendors that fall down on some of those more granular levels of site level, subject level, overall study level. Having an audit trail is obviously key to drill down into individual subjects, but oftentimes sponsors, especially like we are at Moderna, are looking for trends, right? You're trying to identify, are people having trouble with a particular assessment at a particular time point or in a particular country where, you know, retraining might be needed, further guidance might be needed. Maybe some assessments are a primary endpoint and others are observatory or not not sort of going towards a primary secondary endpoint. You're going to want to put all your energy towards those primary endpoint assessments. So can you drill down in the compliance level view to look at one particular assessment versus others? So it, it, it gets very granular. And I think the best way to approach it at the sponsor level is talk to the to the clinops teams talk to the monitors talk to how they're actually going to look at that data on the study and then bring that to the vendor and say hey can you get us x can you get us this this view into the data and if they can't can we build it right can can i give you a set of requirements and a set of data that you can go and pull out into a report that can either get emailed once a week or that i can look at on my own on demand right. that's what brings me to my next point to be honest because for me, anyway, this whole collaboration between the, the, the vendor, the language service provider, and the, the, the sponsor is kind of mission critical. And what you're talking about is this very, very deep uh, relationship where you yep. can actually go and say, hey, if you build it, we will come. <laughs> kind of thing, you know? I have always viewed in, in my 10 years of doing this, when I was on the vendor side and now on the sponsor side, the stronger that relationship, the better it's going to be for both sides, right? When I when I worked at a vendor company and I had a really demanding and, you know, setting a high bar from the sponsor and they would ask for a lot and they'd get into the weeds and they would perform UAT testing, that was valuable because we would build a better product. And I think now that I'm on the sponsor side, I try and bring that same level of thoroughness to our vendor relationships to say, look, we want to partner with you. We want to partner with you, the vendor. We want to partner with our translations vendor. We want to get to that sort of advanced stage in our relationship where we're not just doing a one-off study and we're going to build it and then see you later. We want to build a partnership, build a relationship, have you know a clear line of communication, clear expectations set up up front. Um, you know, if it makes sense, let's set up a long-term agreement, right? Let's let's have right. an enterprise agreement or a preferred vendor status. Let's build in additional savings to a one-off contract. Let's let's have efficiencies. Let's have that standardization that I was talking about. And maybe even let's let's ask the vendor, can we have a dedicated team? You know, if I if I enjoy working with some team and they're really bringing a lot of value, let's use that same team on each trial. They'll know what our expectations are, they'll know what our, you know, working style is, what we need and they can bring that into the fold and that that that's you know extremely beneficial for us sponsor side if we can build that in up front. You're you're I mean I'm totally on the same page. Part of my kind of like thing is I say you know what happens 
two years from now. If you haven't got that relationship, that, that totally transparent and supportive relationship built, what happens? You end up yep. jumping from one to the next, and then what happens? Consistency dies. Quality yep. is compromised. So I totally, totally on the same page. If I could just add on, I mean, in that sure. two-year scenario, right? Like, I, I want to have a governance structure. I want to have a standard implementation pro- process. And if there's something that vendor's not bringing me, in two years, I want to say, look, can you put this on your roadmap? And I want to get this in two years when we still have a working relationship. I want to help improve their their business offering so that I benefit from it, but potentially others benefit it from as well. But it's that long-term relationship thinking of, hey, maybe you don't have this report in your arsenal now. Let's build this report so I can have it. And then, hey, if you want to go sell that to other customers, go for it. But it's benefiting me in the near term. That's the holy grail, isn't it? it, it truly, that, that's, no, it is. That, 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 that's easier said than done. <laughs> I think a lot of relationships speak to partnerships, but they only speak to it. I think what you're talking about is actually a much more holistic, uh, well-thought-out strategy. In the COVID world, it's obviously a little bit harder to do face-to-face, but do that when possible. Governance structure, set up regular interactions at a higher level, get senior leaders to buy in. Don't yeah. just have the project-level folks who are maintaining that relationship. Get you know directors, senior directors, VPs, get them to buy in to say, look, if we can build this relationship, we're going to have a better vendor experience. They're going to be more reliable. They're going to have standards. We're going to have expectations clearly laid out. And it's going to it's going to increase our speed. It's going to increase our consistency. And we're going to have a better product as a result of it, right? And then it's going to filter down to the sites and to the monitors. Because if you have a monitor coming to you know a Moderna trial and they've used a system before, they're going to know the standards. They're going to know what's in place, and it's just going to speed up that process and make for a better trial experience. Totally agree. I mean, without laboring the point, I mean that's 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 where we want to get to. But what I'd like to see is, I, like you said, I'd like to see regular contact, regular senior managers coming together. We're all moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. I also like to see quality uh, gates checkpoints yep. throughout the process. And if one falls down, if it falls down, look, that's life things fall down. If it falls down, what I'd like to see is a remedial plan in place to try and mitigate that risk going forward. That's where I come from. And that's, that, that, that is another part of the partnership. If I may, I know I'm jumping around, but I do want to circle back with something. Just a yes or no question, really. But when we are, re- I'm going to call it reusing those assets, right? Because you build out these structures. Is that transferable to the entire T- DCT thing where you can we use it for IRT or use RTMS or EDC. What are, is it possible to reuse all those assets? In theory, <laughs> yes. Right. It takes more coordination with with a broader team set, but um, I think where where the, the the real benefit lies is making that internal case within a sponsor company and saying, "Look, clinical supplies or ClinOps or whatever groups are managing those other systems." Let's come together. Let's agree on this. Let's be united to say, look, we want to have these standards across organization. Let's be cross-functional. So that way, when we go to our vendors or vendor, if there's one that can do all of these things, we can say, this is the standard we have across organization. We've already done the legwork internally to get an assessment agreed upon across all of our sort of clinical development organization. And this is how we see it being implemented. Can you do this? 
And if, if not, right, that's a whole nother conversation, but doing that, that, that legwork internally to get everyone on yeah. the same page is something we've benefited from here at Moderna and I think can be replicated elsewhere as well. Because COA is, I believe, the most complex and then most heavy lifting of yeah. all the, the, the data capture pieces, I feel if you can get that part right, you have more chance of cross-pollinating that to the other aspects of the study, as you were actually saying, CS or whatever it may be. So I'm just, just we actually touched it in our last conversation, and we didn't explore it, so I thought we might just briefly just touch on it there. You talked about re- reports, and I really bought into the whole like uh, compliance piece. It's a much bigger animal than most people are willing to admit to. But what about other documentations, practices? What, what do you feel is the holy grail for that documentation? Yeah, so I, I think a couple points come to mind. First off, you really need to work internally on the sponsor side to establish you know, internal document management tools. And what I mean by that is sort of a central location where the documents can be stored and shared, but then best sort of practices around managing those documents. And when I say those documents, I mean source documents for homegrown assessments mm-hmm. or even you know, licensed assessments that have you know, numbering in place, Revision histories, if you're changing a homegrown assessment, where have we been, where are we going? General GXP practices. And then another big step is really working with QA to establish TMF guidelines, right? All of this needs to be filed into a a, a trial master file, clear rules for ECOA documentation. What are we getting? Are we getting a, a, a source doc? Are we getting a specification? Are we getting a design specification from the vendor? Are, are they going to uh, you know, have something that we need to file to show this is how we built the system, this is how it's meant to operate, this is the workflow, these are the email alerts, screenshot documents. All of that needs to be well understood from a QA standpoint so that when you get the documents, you can file them appropriately and be inspection ready. Right. That, that's, that's at a minimum, I think, some of the things that need to occur to be successful. And I think in principle, yeah, I totally agree. As we move towards an ETMF model, I think it becomes much more complex when you have maybe 80 studies going on in one year. And, and you need, really need to think out your plan around your ETMF or your source documents, how are they created, where are they stored, and each of the separate, and we call them rooms, each of the separate rooms where you have all your documents. Yep. I, think you need, I think we need to really think this through because when, when you get to multiple studies, that's when, it, and you have different study teams accessing perhaps the same documents, they need the same yep. documents that are already in there, but it's for a different study. You better have your gates and you better have your room set up so that there is this virtual walls between all of them. So it's, it's much more complex, but I, I, I totally see what yeah. you're saying. Understanding, first off, what's coming, right? What are those documents that are going to be generated if you have an ECOA system, right? And, and yeah. not everybody is, is aware of that because some people haven't built them yet. Yeah. And then understanding who's responsible for getting those documents and filing them appropriately or sending them to the right person to file. Just having those two sort of seemingly innocent topics well understood and clearly defined can remove a lot of headache, right? You, do, you don't want to get to inspection prep and have no copies of, of a source document or no copies of a requirements document from a vendor and the project is either closed or people have moved on. If you say, look, I'm getting a source document or I'm getting screenshots or I'm getting a requirements document, it's signed off, it's you know, speaking exactly how the ECOA system is going to be built, just 
put it put it in that central location, right? Put it in that central location. Have it have it well understood as to who's going to grab it, who's going to file it. It's it just saves a lot of headache down the road. I totally agree with you, Aaron. I really appreciate you 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 coming on and then talking to us again. The second time for you, the <laughs> second time. I really appreciate it. Aaron is the uh, assistant director of ECO implementation at Moderna. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Join us again at the next episode of Transparent Lifestyle Talks. I'm Mark White. Thanks. Have a great day.